Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. Communion is actually what changed my wife and I to understand what authority looks like. You know, we were told that we couldn't have babies. We rejected that. We put our name in the book of miracles. We took communion every day for 30 days. We had tried everything. Now we have three little beautiful babies. And I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't for a pastor that really did good discipleship, you know, I grew up in church. But to me, communion was just another religious thing you do. The Bible says it. Your parents say it. Ten Commandments say, honor your mother and father if they tell you to do it, or if your dad's a Marine and he tells you to do it, you take communion. (laughs) But I took it out of a place of religion, not out of a place of relationship, knowing what it meant. And we had the Canon J. John come through, and he gave me his book on communion. And I read that book, and it messed me up. Told my wife, hey we got to start understanding what was different about communion. And when we took that, we still take it. If there's anything going on in our life, listen, we were just believing for a new house. We were taking communion. Every time we got a negative report on what that loan officer said. (laughs) You know, Easter's a funny thing for me because it was the one Sunday that I knew every time I was coming home from college and I was, you know, I was probably one foot in. This is before Facebook, people. Okay, your mom couldn't just, you know, see where you checked in on Facebook, which is the greatest thing with Facebook. If I was back then, I would just checked in church and then I would have left and she thought everything was good. But, you know, I didn't want to lie to my mom. So I did the, she'd call, you going to church? I'm like, yes. Not because I wanted to. So Easter was funny because I knew I'd have to go to church and she'd be like, hey, the one thing your mom wants this Easter when you're home is that you go to church as a family. Anybody else? Yeah. I'm the only honest person here. Well, I'm just laying myself out there. Wow. Some of you aren't sure what to do right now. That's okay. That's okay. You're like, oh my gosh, is he being serious? I am. It's going to be okay. You know what the worst fear ever for a pastor when you wear a lapel mic like this? is when you have to run out of service and go to the bathroom and you're thinking they're going to leave it on just because they're mad at you. (laughs) So I purposely went out that way and I threatened him. I said, you better make sure this is muted. (laughs) And that just happened. (laughs) Second most insecure person. When a pastor comes up and you know you want to make sure that there's a lot of hair, you know, hairstylists in the room. You want to make sure your hair looks good. The third rung below that is when your sock guy's in church. Bernard, I see you. And I'm wearing black socks, and you own a sock company source. I I just want to repent right from the front, and I'm sorry. I know that's a big deal. I feel judged. But it's Easter Sunday, so hopefully there's a lot of grace. And still some of you want to know what's going on with my Easter message. That's okay. We'll get to it. But let me tell you that being raised in a Christian home... And me being the rebel of that home, you don't know you're a rebel till you go over to your grandma's house 
and you realize your picture's on her bathroom window or her mirror, and you ask your grandma, oh, am I your favorite grandchild? And she says, no, you're the one I have to pray for the most. <laughs> so I was devastated as a child because then I went to my grandpa's house and I went to the other side of the house and every house I went to, my picture was in their mirror. And this whole time I had this built up self-confidence, I was their favorite. It wasn't. I was the one furthest from the Lord. So they were praying for me. And how many know I needed those prayers? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, so Easter is always a little interesting. I think it's one of the greatest, it is the greatest. Listen, without Easter, there is no victory over death. Without, you know, Christmas is great for us. You know, the kids love the presents and you're cheering the birth. But Easter, man, after Good Friday, I try to put myself in the shoes of the disciples. When I read the Bible now, it's like, I want to put myself like I was there. What were they thinking on that, on that Sunday? But what I find it interesting is when I grew up in a church that I never saw power, that I never saw the things of the New Testament that were being professed today. I would go home, I would go to that church service, and I felt like I was doing it out of respect for my mom and dad. I went to a good Christian college. And I'm going to tell you something. I think I needed Jesus more there than anywhere. And when I graduated, I'll never forget the disappointment in my mom's face when she goes, you didn't marry a good Christian girl. I sent you to this college to find a good Christian girl. I said, mom, they're crazier than the world girls. (laughs) You don't understand. And my dad would try to pull her aside and say, Gail, it's going to be okay. Matthew's going to be okay. No, that's why I sent him here. Actually, I sent him here to get an education. I don't, we didn't know this. But I remember my mom was so disappointed. And then, you know, I met a beautiful young lady on a flight to Vegas, which really (laughs) messed up my good Christian family story. And I remember telling her, you could be the devil for all I know. So you you better come to church with me Sunday. I was in a funky place. But see, I found this pastor, Pastor Jurgen, through a friend that had heard him preach up in Seattle. And my friend from grad school called me and goes, man, I just heard the best sermon of my life. And I said, how's that help me in San Diego? Well, he started a church down there. He says, I got the church phone number. To tell you the truth, that wasn't the church phone number. That was the only number called his cell phone. I called that cell phone. He wanted to have lunch with me. I panicked. How many don't want to go to church? I mean, to lunch with the pastor? You could get stuck there. I guess only those that are away from the Lord. So I was like, man, I do not want to go. I literally told my CA of my office, hey, call me after 30 minutes. I don't want to get stuck with this guy. I don't know how it's going to roll. Those 30 minutes turned into three hours to change my life. I saw somebody that believed in me. I saw someone that preached a different gospel, even though it's the same Bible I grew up with. See, I grew up that I'd never be good enough, that I was always feeling guilty about the decisions I made. I was a sinner. I grew up thinking like, is this all there is? I went to church every Sunday growing up. I look back now, I'm grateful for that foundation. I went to Westmont, a good Christian school. Now they're a little woke, but you know, let's pray for them. But all these things got me to a place where I was looking at what I really believed on Easter Sunday. I know I never missed Easter Sunday, no matter what happened. 
I always went. I was like the CEO, Christmas and Easter only kind of Christian. I was a good CEO. And I would go, but I'm telling you, I'd be wondering, is this all there is? And then I met Pastor Jurgen that spoke life into me, that said, no, you're above, not believe. You're the head, not the tail. You need to look differently. I believe in you. He would pray for people. I would see radical things happen. People would come in broken. I'd see their life get restored. There were people that would come in on the brink of divorce, and I saw their marriages start to get healed because they would get rid of this Christianese performance and let it down. I was the type of kid, I grew up at nine cousins, and we'd get around all our other cousins, and it was like, who had the perfect family? I've labeled it Christianese. We all sit around, and finally, I couldn't handle it anymore. I would drop a curse word or something that would really rattle everybody because we didn't speak like that in my family. Dad, if you're watching, I apologize. I'm just airing it all out today. But I didn't see Seattle on the list, so I thought we're good. But what's amazing is I would see all my cousins, everyone would just lose their mind that I would be that kid. But I didn't want to be fake. I just said, you know, if I'm going to live a life, I'm going to live a real life. So when I came to church and I met Pastor Jurgen, I said, hey, I'm just going to be who I am. And I saw a pastor love me, disciple me, lead me through, put up with my stuff. And I started to love going to church because I saw that I could complete something that was missing. What's this have to do? Well, listen, I always knew there was a Jesus that died for me. I always knew that if I gave my heart to Jesus, hey, that's a good insurance policy, a good fire policy. I want to be in heaven. I mean, I'm not an idiot. But I'm like, man, it's not congruent with what this book says. And then I remember when I met my wife, she came to that church. She gave her life to Jesus on that first Sunday. And I'm like, oh man, I can't wait for the speech from the pastor. San Diego, San Diego State girl on the way to Vegas, he's gonna tell me, hey, don't date her. Wait like six, nine months. You know, be the good Christian guy. I mean, I wasn't sure what was coming. And all of a sudden, I walked over. I'm like, he's like, did you see that girl? She raised her hand. That girl you brought to church. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, I'm like, I know what you're going to say next. I probably shouldn't date her. And he goes, are you an idiot? <laughs> Someone will snag her up immediately. That would be the dumbest decision of your life. I thought the Lord was giving you wisdom. I'm like, so I should date her? And he goes, yes. The greatest wisdom he's ever given me. I married that girl, took her off the market. You know, fast forward, I look back at my grandpa. My grandpa was a preacher. My uncle was a preacher. I honestly was raised and I didn't like Christians and I barely liked pastors. But it was one pastor that showed me a different way to live, congruent, that you can get in alignment, that you don't have to walk around feeling manipulated, guilt, shame. I got freedom from all of that. I that spirit of religion really broken off me is what it was. And I realized, wow, you can go to church and be free? I'd go to my grandpa's church and it was, he was Presbyterian. God bless him. If you raise your hand, you're getting the dirty look. But I was just asking my hand to go to the bathroom. You come worship here, man. Everyone's jumping around. It's freedom. 
Let me tell you, Jesus didn't die on a cross to start another religion. Jesus died on the cross for a relationship with you and I. He knows how you think. He knows the skill set that you have, the dreams that you have, the desires that you have. Listen, in the New Testament, the good news, which is translated the gospel, is mentioned over 125 times. But see, I was raised, when you say you're a Christian, I didn't associate good news with your face looking the way it looks. (laughs) Don't be offended. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying, most Christians that I was around, they looked depressed. I didn't see victory. I didn't see them walking around knowing who their king was. I felt like how I felt. Broken, I could never be good enough. I was just going to crawl through life until I made it across the line and I made it to heaven. Let me tell you, that's not why he died on the cross. I'm going to tell you that straight up. That might go against. He didn't die. He didn't, God didn't send his son to die so we could be held in bondage, in religion, in guilt, in manipulation, none of that. He died so he could have a relationship with you to restore you, to set you up, to dust you off, to give you a purpose and a plan for your life, that you are the head, not the tail, that you are above, not beneath, that you can walk in victory, that you're supposed to go from glory to glory to glory, from victory to victory, not defeat and stay there. Yeah, you're going to fall, but who's around you to lift you back up, not judge you? Who's going to set you back up when you slip back? Who's going to tell you, you know what? No, you got this. I had a pastor that showed me what pastoring should look like, what a good shepherd should look like. To come after the one and leave the 99, but not stay there and bring me back to the community, bring me back to the flock, bring me back and restore me and show you what my calling and my destiny was. See, in 2010, right before my grandpa passed away, he pulled me aside. He knew I was coming to this church. And he says, hey, I gave you something. I wrote it down. I laminated it because at the time when he gave it to me, I looked at it for a second. I put it in my pocket. I said, yeah, yeah, grandpa. And he died just a couple days later. But he gave me this three by five card in his handwriting. It says, Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and held captive. See, when he told me that I lived, I said, Grandpa, the last thing I'll ever be is a pastor. Because I had a messed up view of one. But when Jesus gave me the revelation of what this word of God says, I realized the most radical life that we could all live is one for Jesus. I used to be embarrassed to bring friends to church, but my mom used to say, listen, if you want them to spend the night, they got to go to church with us on a Sunday. So I'd weigh the odds with my friends. Bro, you can spend the night, but we got to go to church. You think you can handle it? It's 90 minutes. And they'd be like, yeah, man, we're spending the night. Your house is rad. Let's do it. And I'd be like, all right. But I'd be sweating the whole time. Like, oh, dear Lord, don't talk about money. Don't talk about money. Oh, it's Easter. They talked about money. Oh, my Lord. I can't believe it. Listen, the most radical thing that I've experienced is grace from a pastor that showed me how to live life, that unlocked me, that healed me, and said the brokenhearted, I was brokenhearted. 
realize that I can do things in the marketplace and be successful and not feel bad about it? Well, well, the Bible says that I can walk with wisdom and discernment. I could live a victorious life. I could be successful. I can help other people. I could do the things that I was called to do and love Jesus and be a pastor and disciple people. Man, I looked at this first and see years later, my wife found this in a book. She had it laminated and gave me a picture of my grandpa at our wedding. It's amazing to walk this out now because I'm still in the marketplace. I still get to be in the world and see what people are walking through and I get to realize my life was just like it. But when I had the revelation of what the gospel, the good news really means, everything in my life changed. When I just stopped doing it my way because that got me so far and I said, all right, Lord, I'll go all in. I stopped caring what people thought. I started seeing my life flourish. I started realizing that some of my friends were coming to me for advice and God would give me a revelation to give them advice. See, this book is the book of wisdom, except sometimes we read it like it's a book of rules. This is liberty. This is life. This is the victorious life. And if Christians would get out of being stuck and bound up in bondage, realizing you don't have to walk around just because you give your life to the Lord and now suddenly put on this Christianese mask that everything's good and just live a life that's congruent. You, can, you know what freedom is? Freedom is what unlocks joy. It's what unlocks peace. It's what pursuing what Jesus did. Everything Jesus stood for was about loving people. He's just saying, hey, salvation just isn't about eternity, which it is. It's about identity. I look at the Bible. It is radical. The king, King David, messed up, made mistakes. Was out on a balcony when he shouldn't have been. Looking at things he shouldn't have been. Doing things he shouldn't have done. And yet God honored him, blessed him. He knew how to repent. He knew how to run back. He knew how to get on his knees and cry out for mercy. He just, he just said, man, I screwed up. There's nothing worse. But it's amazing how we can get this belief system because there is a devil that comes to kill, steal, and destroy our life. That he tries to trip us up to do, make us think, do stupid things. And instead of running back to the altar, we go hide. Man, I'm telling you, read the Bible differently. I look at Noah. Stuck on an ark 370 days. I just drove through Park City to Zion for five days with my kids. <laughs> There's two things about my wife. She needs sleep and a protein bar at any given moment. If she doesn't get sleep or food, things will get bad in a hurry. It's worse than the ark. Everywhere I go, I got a protein bar. I guess somebody can relate with me. Wow, that's amazing. But why do I say that? Because Noah's on this thing for 370 days. He got a warning seven days before it was going to rain. Gets on this boat. He's like, how long is this going to be? The flood's 40 days. But then it's still filling up the earth for up until day 150. And then it took another 150 days for the earth to dry out. By the time he got off that boat, you know the first thing he did? He went and drank too much. 
and you're looking for the next verse that's going to say God judged him. No, you know who God judged? His son that pointed it out. Look at my drunk dad. His son got judged. God's up there going, he needed it. Look what he had to put up with. (laughs) Yet we can get so religious, we can't even laugh in church anymore. But we can go to a comedy club. We can go to a, we can go, you know, watch the football game and cheer and loud. And we come to worship like we're the frozen chosen. Can't we be the same on Sunday as we are on Monday? Can't we be congruent Christians? Can't we live a life worth living? My Savior didn't die for me. I know Jesus didn't die for me so I could be a locked up Christian. But then I was fun around certain people. Then I was Christian in front of other people. Then I was fun in front of And then I was Christian again in front of other people. I had a pastor that showed me, no, you could be the same on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I started to let my soul come back to life. I got to see my soul heal. But guess what? If I had stuff going on with my marriage, I could talk to my pastor about it. I didn't have to pretend everything was good until one day it wasn't. We're all walking through. This is a journey. And the one thing I know is when you tap into Jesus and live a life congruent, you'll have joy in your life. You'll have peace in your life. There's one thing I know about this. When I read, and I know I didn't get to it in the beginning, but the story of Resurrection Sunday is Matthew 28, 1 through 10. Some of us can be even skeptical. I said this in the first service because I felt it. I don't feel it in this service, but I felt like sure he was going to preach the word of God. Well, I was. We could put up the sermon. I want to show you what I really believe. Can we show the resurrection tomb? This is my real thoughts on the tomb. After the good preach I just did right here. It's a true statement. I'm just preaching Bible. That's, I got that right out of the Word of God. They taped that tomb up. They did everything they could for that lockdown. But yeah, Jesus is an overcomer. So are his people. He didn't die so we could be held in bondage. He died so you and I could be free. I just want to tell you the story of that resurrection Sunday because God didn't send his son so we could meet through life. He's going to bring you around to other believers. Everything the gospel is, the good news, the good news isn't that we ju- he just died for our sins. That could be good news, but that's not it. The good news is, is that he gave us an identity in Christ. And see, once we have the identity in Christ and you know what that means, listen, I was an insecure Christian. I didn't even want to tell people I was a Christian because I wasn't living congruent. But I found a pastor that then taught me how to pray. So I started a prayer meeting with five guys. It started out of insecurity because if anyone else asked me to pray growing up, I'd be like this. Sure, I'll pray for you. I mean, I wouldn't literally stop and pray for them. I just said, I pray for you. I was surrounded by those Christians. See, we're not going to be that church. That's why we have a men's prayer meeting at all our campuses. We have over 600 guys now. It started out of an insecurity, but I found identity in Christ who taught us how to lead in prayer. We've seen miracles. We've seen radical things. That's the Jesus I'm talking about, the identity in Christ. See, we might be the only Jesus people in the world ever see. So how does our life reflect 
the Jesus in the word of God. You can have fun. You can do all the gifts. You can walk in the liberty, the freedom of what God has called you to can do. We're not called to be bound up, wrapped up in small thinking. There's a mission that Jesus was on. And in that mission, he died for us to set us free, that we could walk in that freedom. And now finding that identity, there's nothing more important. You know, I look at where I could have been if I didn't have a good mentor, a good pastor. And I look at the freedom that I've walked in since then. I've walked in and I've seen radical things. No one can take away the first time I saw real deliverance of someone get demonically that was oppressed, get that broken off them. And I felt something come alive in my spirit. I saw my friend that was bound up in things he shouldn't have bound up in, totally healed, set free. It scared me, but empowered me at the same time. Then I saw a little boy with an MRI of, he was brain dead, get prayed for in a hospital, and he came back to life after three days. You can't take that away from me. I was thinking to myself, what does all the success in the world mean when this is the power that we're looking for? When I saw those radical things and I saw my heart heal because I gave my heart over to somebody I could trust, I started to see victory in my life. That same victory that I've experienced, I've seen a hundred X fold in this house. I want to let you know, today on Resurrection Sunday, Jesus died so some things can come back to life in your life. If you believe, just believe. We can get caught up in the world of judgment. Some of us need to get off social media. Some of us need to get off the news. Some of us need to break fear. Some of us need to break control. Some of us need to break the things that are holding us down. Because guess what? Jesus didn't die so you could be bound up that way. I want us all to stand to our feet and I'm going to pray for us. You know, Jesus had talked about this in Matthew 26, 31. He said, when the shepherd is struck, the flock's going to get scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. He was going to lead the way. Every day, Jesus is leading the way. No matter why you came, maybe you came out of respect. Someone made you come to church because it was that Easter, like I was raised. Or maybe you came because you wanted to find some truth that you've been looking for. Or maybe you came because you just wanted to come be around other believers. No matter what, there's always a new level. There is no ceiling except the ceiling we put over our life. For the kingdom of heaven, there is no ceiling. And I want to let you know, whether you're giving your life to Jesus because you want insurance that, hey, I want to live for eternity, or you say, no, I want to live the most empowering life I can. I want to live in freedom. I want guilt, condemnation. I want all that stuff broken. Whatever it is for you, I want to pray today. So if we could just all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you could turn your hands up to heaven. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to pray for two groups of people. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for the journey that you took me on that healed my broken heart. I thank you for the journey that you took me on that healed that oppression that I didn't think I'd ever live up to anything important. God, I thank you, Lord, that you healed my mind, my spirit, my soul, that I started to believe that all things were possible. God, I thank you no matter how bleak circumstances have looked, I built a faith muscle because you showed me how to do that. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you showed me how to pray 
because we do live in a time of spiritual warfare where there is an enemy. God, you've empowered me to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil. God, I don't take that verse as just one that we memorize in Sunday school. I take it literally now. God, I thank you the same things that you've done in my life, you're doing right now. You're softening hearts that need to be healed. Wherever there's bitterness, let the heart soften. God, wherever there's people that have blamed you for certain things in their life that they've been disappointed in, let their heart be healed right now in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for those that have been disappointed maybe where they're at. That, God, you're going to give them the wisdom and discernment how to accelerate their life to the dreams where they want to go. God, I thank you for supernatural healing right now, physical ailments that have kept people from not following their dreams, not doing the things they've always wanted to do. God, Lord, start to renew their body right now. And Lord, those that have been around negativity so much, they feel like it's a ball and chain on their ankle. We break those chains right now. Let them experience freedom, mental health healed in the name of Jesus. God, we just don't want to read this Bible. We want to live this Bible. We want to know what victory feels like. We want to know what overcoming feels like. God, we don't want to wait till heaven to live the good life. We want to live the good life now. Lord, so we pray heaven to earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, while we're standing, just two of the most important questions on on this Easter. I just want us to bow our heads one more time, and I want to pray for us. Listen, if you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you once did, but you kind of took it back because it was just this thing that you did, not that you wanted to do in your heart. But listen, if you resonate with anything I said today, and you're like, that's it, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the Jesus you know. Well, I want to pray for you. If you're in this house today, and you want to receive that prayer, you want Jesus in your heart, you want to live that life that I've been preaching about, I just want you to quickly raise your hand to heaven. We had hundreds in the first service. Raise your hand. Thanks, buddy. Come on. I see those hands. Hands up everywhere. Come on. Just raise them up. We're celebrating because that's an important decision. Come on. Thank you, man. Hands up all over this place. Come on. You know what? I like boldness. I figure if we're going to do anything, listen, I know we raised our hands and we're out of time, but let's all stay in our seat one second. And I want to invite everyone that raised your hand right down here so I can pray for you. Can we cheer them on as they come down? Listen, if we saw hands raised, come on, let's come down. I want to pray with you personally. Hey, it's Easter Sunday. It's worth the victory lap. Come on. I love it. Sunday's finest. Come on. Thank you. Come on, man. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Looking sharp, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Come on. Amen. Oh, man. Come on, Bernard. That's my sock guy. Got to give my hug to my sock guy. Love you, man. Come on. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Don't make me cry. Oh, listen. Why, why I invite people to the altar, just so you know? You know why I invite you down? Because sometimes we can stay in our seat and say the same. But when you just shove it to the devil and step out of your seat, your life, your heart's getting altered because you're like, you know what? I'm leaving the old things behind and I'm walking down here. And you walk down here, it's just making a stance to me. I can't say what I want to say. That's not very pastoral. 
No, I can't. I'd be in trouble. I'd have to be on the altar. But it's just like, you know what? There is a devil that I'm tired of messing up my friends' lives. And when you walk down here to receive Jesus, you're shoving it back to the devil. Because we live right now in a time where if you don't believe in evil, I don't know how to help you. We got to stand up. If the church doesn't rise right now, we will lose the country that we love. We need the church to rise up. That means you and I as believers to stand and not be afraid, to draw a line in the sand that you're not messing with my kids, you're not messing with that curriculum, you're not gonna intimidate, you're not canceling the church because Jesus already canceled death. So let's all just stretch out our hands to everybody on the front row. Come on, JD, come pray for your boy. Come down here, you know you want to. You're over there flexing with those arms. You're getting me all emotional. If I look at you, I'm going to cry. Listen, I know. Just come pray with Bernard. I've been praying. We've been praying. We're like double tag team and praying for your family because we love you so much. Oh, no, you don't have to thank me. Thank Jesus because, man, you got a guy that rages war in prayer for you. And I'm emotional because I know I have aunts, uncles, grandparents. I probably had an army because I was so stubborn praying for me that we, we can see our friends give their life to the Lord and we're going to spend eternity. There is nothing greater. And everything else, God will fulfill, give you vision, man. You're one of the smartest, big-hearted people I know. You have a beautiful bride. You have a beautiful life that you get to raise. To know in this, this is the greatest nail through the coffin of the heart of the enemy. And dude, I love it. Just, there might be a party in heaven, but just know we're not waiting till heaven. We're partying for you right now. And it goes for every single one of you that did that. It's a big, it's a big decision. That's why I never want to take it lightly. Some of us as Christians, we could just be like, let's go to church, let's check the box. No, no, no. This is the most important decision ever. And you don't have to wait to bring people to church. You could meet someone and say, let me pray for you right now. It's a simple prayer and we're all going to pray it. Maybe you wanted to come down, but you just couldn't get over it. You can pray this right where you're at. Raising your hand doesn't get you in heaven. It's a, it's a heart decision. So we're going to say this prayer. And if you're up in your seat, let's say it together wherever you're at. Let's just all say it together. You with me? Here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sin. Today, I give you my heart. Heal it. Restore it. Set it free. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that the best of my life is coming right around the corner for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.